BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, hello. Today, we have Phoebe Lapine. Hello, Phoebe. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here from Feed Me Phoebe, but now... Is your Instagram name now Phoebe Lapine? Or it's it always s- been. There is a Feed Me Phoebe out there. Oh, She's shit. An Why did I think you were Feed Me Phoebe at one point? Well, your website is. My website okay. is. Yes, my blog. Yeah. Well, there's a The Freckled Foodie. Oh. And she existed before I did. However, she recently, I believe, shut down everything. And out of nowhere, like this never happened for the past two years, I just got a slew of DMs saying, hey, I love this recipe you made. And then they explain it, and I know it's not mine. They're like, but I can't find it anywhere. And then I realize it's the freckled foodie. Like, I'm really sorry. That's not mine. It sounds delicious. And evidently, the website's no longer. Well, you benefited at least. You're getting kind her, <laughs> her <laughs> leftover random people. Se. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Phoebe is joining us to chat about everything you've built and you've done because I we're new friends but I fangirled over you for a while first before we were friends that means so much and, <laughs> you're so welcome and to talk all things SIBO 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 small intestine bacteria overgrowth because I have dealt with it but you are doing exactly what I love by making it approachable so oh my thank God. you bless you <laughs> happy to help we're just gonna gas you up this entire episode <laughs> Um, so to start, how would you define success? Oh man. I mean, I, I've always defined success by being able to do whatever I want. Like, I don't know. I'm lucky that I come from a privileged enough life that I've been able to take risks so far and, um, you know, quit my corporate job to Mm -hmm. do this full time. And what were you doing? I well, it's it's hard to even say it at this point because I only had a real job for two years of my life, <laughs> and it's been ten years now. Holy shit. In the fall, it'll have been ten years. So you've been an entrepreneur way more than you've been like in the corporate world. Oh, way more. And I passed my old office building on Fifth Avenue <laughs> uh, over the weekend, which is just a little jarring. Um, yeah. But yes, I worked in marketing at a L'Oreal okay. right out of college. Got it. Which was a very coveted job yeah, amongst sure. my female peers. Yeah. And, and you also were graduating at a time where jobs were really difficult to I, get. Well, it no? was right before. Oh, right before. Right before. Okay. I quit 
peak of recession. <laughs> Great <laughs> move. My parents, who are both creatives, were like, uh, who like didn't want me to take this like weird corporate job yeah. to begin with. We're like, oh, maybe you should leave. <laughs> so you grew up with creative parents. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that influenced what you decided to eventually do? For sure. And I think they both, my mom, well, I'd actually think say both of them found success fairly early mm-hmm. and in a way that I think gave them the confidence and like, you know, the, the name recognition to be able to go out and yeah. kind of, pivot into various other creative endeavors and so I guess that's why I see that as, <laughs> yeah. as the definition of success I, I have to just pause because I cannot hear the word pivot and not laugh and think of friends so I was giggling to myself oh. do you watch friends I mean I had a love-hate relationship with it because of oh, my God. name <laughs> oh shit I didn't think yeah. about that well there's one scene where they're moving a couch and they yell pivot the whole time and it's like oh. a big family thing for us so whenever I hear a pivot that's where my mind goes I watched it but I don't I you don't know that it's like my bible okay um anywho back to what we were saying because I do think what your parents do shape you whether they're influencing you and telling you to do that same thing but that's honestly why I started the job I did in sales and trading it was like oh my mom used to be an investment banker my dad works in credit cards is there a world outside of finance I don't know (laughs) I never in a million years would have thought I'd be working for myself it was actually a very hard conversation to have with them eventually to kind of get them on board they're fully on board they're now. on board yeah. oh yeah they're big supporters um and they listen to every episode my dad oh. loves to make it clear that he's watched every Instagram story he'll text <laughs> me and be like hey that dinner you did this you did that you did this just repeating what I storied yeah, I did do really all those sweet. things hi mom and dad yeah exactly hi mom and dad um so they were supportive, kind of. Obviously, the timing wasn't ideal, but yeah. they were supportive. They were supportive. Um, I mean, I they live in New York. Mm-hmm. I had a really funny like experience in the gig economy, again, height of the recession. Mm-hmm. And so basically how it happened was I started a food blog in 2008 on the side with one of my best friends from high school. Mm-hmm. And we had kind of, it was like the real early, not not the real early days yeah, of blogging, but yeah, it was, we really hadn't hit like the blog tipping spot? point. Um, or what was it? Oh yeah. 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 Blogspot. It was yeah. like blogger.com <laughs> for sure. And I literally started my site in 10 minutes. I was just like blogger and like yep. logged on, didn't have a real URL. Yeah. yeah. Totally. The whole thing. Um, so we kind of like always envisioned having a cookbook. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of worked towards that very quickly. And it was like, it was a site for 20 something cooks, like, yeah. you know, trying to make it work with limited time, money, and, you know, mm-hmm. additional resources, <laughs> space, of course. And the biggest New York issue. Yeah, exactly. So we had this real niche. And so we ended up getting a cookbook deal nine months in. And then. Wait, I don't know any of this part yeah. of your story. Yeah, it's my previous chapter. So were you still working in marketing during this time? Or had oh, you yeah. Left? Yeah. I left right before we got the deal, but we were shopping it around. And I, I don't know. Again, I, I was young and naive and I was just like, it's yeah. going to happen. So I quit. Wow. I know. Isn't it nice when you're so naive that you yeah. don't even think about like the possible negative outcome and you yeah. just do something? We should all live like that. I know. And then I found out don't. what our advance was and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So then I started, you know, again, gig economy, mm-hmm. catering, private chefing, kind of doing you know, whatever anyone was asking for. Um, eventually yeah. teaching cooking classes. I don't think I was good enough <laughs> chef at the beginning to do that. But now that is part of my array of yeah. food offerings. And You've got a wide array. 
Yeah. And so it was funny, though, I was going to say about my parents is that they were very supportive in that they let me like move back in with them Mm -hmm. like habitually. Like every summer I would sublet my room and like move back in with them because they weren't really around in the summer. And I had this one situation, very creative situation where I subsidized over half my rent by having a girl who worked in finance in Connecticut live in my room over the weekends oh my and I had goodness. a boyfriend at the time so I would just stay at his apartment and I would put on her sheets when I left and Shut she up. would put mine back on when you were Airbnb before it existed exactly but it, no it was way more stable I mean she like paid me a significant amount of rent <laughs> what was she doing during the weekdays uh, she lived in Connecticut and like worked in Connecticut, oh, but, but like you her social be. life was not in Connecticut. So holy shit, do you still communicate with this person? Um, no, she's a girl I went to college with, and I think it worked because we weren't ever like friend friends, like yeah. we were acquaintances. And that's like, wild. Took a but class also together. Awesome for you. Oh, it was perfect. I feel really bad for my roommate at the time. Like she was so understanding through all of this stuff, like <laughs> through my like part-time living at the like apartment. The you can find a new <laughs> yeah. apartment by yourself. Thank you so much for being here. Wow. All yeah. right. So the cookbook, I, I can't believe I didn't know this, but you eventually. No, no. A lot of people don't know about that chapter. The cookbook chapter. was released. Mm-hmm. And are you, what's, is this girl still in food? The high school friend? Yeah, she still runs the site that we started together but like kind of isn't really doing it anymore Mm -hmm. she's a journalist now Um, we've kind of like we hit our fork in the road in that relationship which is a whole nother podcast subject got it but um yeah uh she's still doing great just you know kind of her own pivot doing her own thing Mm -hmm. pivoting so many pivots so then (laughs) so many pivots what led you to then eventually create your own page and feed me Phoebe and then the first book yeah so I mean we like we went our separate ways in an official capacity and so I started feed me Phoebe I didn't know what it was going to be I kind of it was interesting we kind of created this brand together and Mm -hmm. you know we were a little like high on our horse and like overthought it a little bit too much I think again because like the age of blogging was kind of different back yeah. then. And so we like kind of forged this like joint um, cooking personality and which is tough anyway. Yeah. To maintain. And the irony of all of my health stuff and my dietary restrictions mm-hmm. now is that I did my first elimination diet and like discovered I had a huge issue with gluten literally during our book tour. So a doctor, like as we were about to go out on the road to promote our cookbook was like, yes, you're doing this elimination diet. And I was like, (laughs) so basically like make all this food for our events and like couldn't eat any of it. I couldn't eat half the recipes in our book. Um, And then it just doesn't feel like you. Exactly. So it was kind of like I was headed in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to, you know, just us two Mm -hmm. as partners were headed in different directions. And yeah, so I started Feed Me Phoebe, didn't like really know what I was doing, just like kind of rode at it and then like woke up one day and was like, oh, like healthy comfort food. That is what I'm doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like didn't really know. You found Um, your mission statement. Exactly. I think my original tagline was like food, friends and fun. (laughs) (laughs) So many Fs and like PHs, but I love it. Yeah. But like... Like, again, the, like, the 20-something brand slash, like, I mean, it was what our lives revolved around was, like, the social yeah. aspect of food and, like, having these, like, crazy 30-person dinners mm-hmm. on, like, you know, $50. And, yeah. yeah. But it's also, like, insane to believe or imagine that whatever brand you built at that age in your young 20s would then continue until 
where you are now. Like obviously there were going to be pivots. Exactly. And names were going to change and new things were going to happen. So you found your way and I love it. I found my way. Yeah. And then all this wellness stuff just took me by surprise. So let's get into that because that's how I first found out about you. Mm. What's the book? The wellness book. Oh, really? Through the book? That's how. Oh. Someone recommended it to me. I honestly don't remember who. I wish I knew. But I read it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this speaks to me on so many levels. I thought it was so interesting and also so funny. So I really loved it. I tried. Yeah. (laughs) And I texted all of my friends. I have a text of a few like food Instagram now real friends who you probably know most of them. But I texted them being like, guys, this book is so good. And then we were all reading it at the same time. Gosh, I mean, that makes me so happy because yeah. I mean, the book did fine. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a runaway success. So I still like sometimes two years later, like just amazed that people read it. <laughs> it was great. The Wellness Project. And the we will put Project, it in yeah. the show notes. I highly recommend reading it, honestly. Thanks. And it is a good read. I have to say now that it's I'm a really over good read. my imposter syndrome and the whole thing. Like, yeah, I worked so hard on it. And I'm sure. it turned out great, I think. You definitely are someone that from an outsider's perspective watching you, it seems that you work your freaking butt off and you're doing a lot of things, but you really are doing them all in a very professional way. Like you don't have ass things, which I really admire. Well, I think it's all thanks to the corporate job, honestly. Like I really needed that work experience after Mm -hmm. so many years of liberal arts (laughs) education, just teaching me how to think. And yeah, I mean, I take so many kind of professional tools away from that, even just like, you know, spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have known how to create one. Or even like emailing, stuff like that. Yeah, professionalism. Yeah, the business side of what we do, I think is very overlooked. And I think there are a lot of people that you can watch from an outsider's perspective that look like they're just trying to put out as much as possible and maybe aren't making sure, like you're very quality over quantity and I really admire that but you still have a ton of fucking quantity I know I was like I feel like but you have a ton of quantity but it's just all quality so I guess you're just both great (laughs) I don't know how that's possible but it is no I asked myself so right now I have a new podcast which we'll get to to, gut health and a book on the same subject that I'm working on right now but I'm like I'm doing everything I was doing last year but I in addition I have a podcast and a book no and I don't do you want to I mean, yes, but at the same time, I'm kind of like making it work right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just asking, I'm like, what did I do last year with my, t- like, it and felt you like never my felt sc- like you had free time, I'm sure. Yeah. No, my schedule felt just as full. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I feel that way about how I'm, so, I feel so busy right now. First of all, we love to say how busy we are in yeah. Manhattan, but I do feel so busy. And then I think about people that have a child. Oh, I and know. And they're like, you don't know what busy is. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know how that fits into anyone's life. I mean, you I obviously really don't. make space for this human being. But still, it's kind of like that. You get something new and then you think back onto whatever the chapter was prior of how, well, how did I think that was X? Like that was nothing compared to what it is now. Yeah. I think you just work more efficiently. Like all these things teach you to work more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Do you time block? No. I'm too, I'm not like a linear thinker or like doer. I don't think I could set those types of rules and actually follow them. Yeah. I don't either. Well, I'm dabbling with it right now because I feel 
I don't know if you feel this way, but with all the different things I'm doing, I sometimes feel as if I'll sit down to do something and then I'll start doing it and then I'll do something else mm-hmm. and do something else and do something else and I'll walk away three hours later and feel like I did nothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I did a bunch of little things, mm-hmm. but I didn't complete a large task. Exactly. So my therapist and I are working on like not a strict time block, but like a, okay, 30 minutes on this project that I'm working mm. on. What really kills me is my iMessage notifications on my laptop. Oh, get rid of those. I know, but I like to type in text. Do you? Oh, yeah. Like oh, people no. would be you amazed to off. know that maybe 90% of the text messages they receive from me, I type on my computer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I need to figure out a way to like mute it and then turn it back on when I want to text it's hilarious I don't even know I wouldn't even know how to turn that on, on I don't know computer. how it was turned on <laughs> honestly I connected everything on iCloud and all of a sudden it just happened it's not like I chose it anyway we've t- totally digressed but after the wellness project how did t- walk us through how you then became so involved you obviously had SIBO yeah to get you to this place but what was that story like? Yeah. So long story short, I have Hashimoto's mm-hmm. thyroiditis, mm-hmm. which is an so auto. <laughs> I know, right? It's an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid gland. And weirdly, I was actually diagnosed when I was 22. So right when I was starting my first site okay. and I just ignored it for many years, um, like literally just like like left. all young 20 year olds. Yeah. Would do. Left yeah. the doctor's office and was like, la, 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 la. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Yeah. I didn't hear you. Yeah. What? <laughs> and um, yeah. And then eventually like the symptoms added up to the point where when I was about to go on book tour I was it was kind of debilitating so Mm -hmm. I was like I should go to a doctor and yeah fast forward um in doing my site I was just like in a personal place of feeling incredibly overwhelmed once I started to pay attention and kind of delve into the rabbit hole that is um online (laughs) it's so wellness content and yeah so I took a page like almost literally out of Gretchen Rubin's book The Happiness Mm -hmm. Project and decided I was going to kind of curate this semi-type a curriculum for myself which is funny as because as I was just said with time block like I really did not gravitate towards those kind of rules so I of course like made a million caveats for myself I'm Mm -hmm. like it's not about doing anything for 30 days per se it's about you know tackling one problem at a time like and that I admire because that's what I took away from it of like the wellness quote-unquote industry can be so overwhelming and when you feel like you have so many things to do at once you then don't want to do any of them Mm -hmm. and so by taking the basically for anyone who hasn't read the wellness project each month or 30 days month i mean yeah it was yeah. all it was all very um yeah. <laughs> it was whatever you decided the bookends weren't yeah. <laughs> that concrete but <laughs> you were focusing on one specific thing yeah and so reading it it was very interesting because it was a mindset that i can definitely like understand and relate to and i admired in a sense because i tend to take on a lot of things at once and mm-hmm. then get overwhelmed by them same so it was almost oh I should be I should be doing this um but when you were doing this did you know that a book was like you were writing the book okay similar to the first site and book I was like oh like I want to write about this I like jumped in right away for my site but kind of in the planning process like of the actual Mm -hmm. quote-unquote project as as I was researching I started to write a book proposal because I know how to do it and yeah it was really like I wanted to tell the story not just do it behind the scenes anyway because I felt like nothing out there really existed like that Definitely for help. Not. and then of course in all the research I was doing and all the books I was reading I was like there's 
none of these books like speak to the reality of like They're being not a young 20 something like trying to make it work in like yeah. a 400 square foot apartment like so I knew I just and for me personally like the way I learned best it was always like the first five pages of every doctor's mm-hmm. book that like talked about their story and how they got into like yeah. holistic medicine or whatever and then I fell asleep after that so mm-hmm. um I knew that I wanted to like have the compliment sandwich of facts like <laughs> do some like compelling narrative on both sides and then just like sneak in it some worked facts. it really worked <laughs> yeah. so you eventually were you were struggling with these gut health issues yeah. So gut health issues like 1.0 yeah. was a lot of stuff having to do with the Hashimoto's. Well, I mean, it's all it's all connected. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially, after the wellness project, like the actual experiment, I felt great. And then I went out and did my book tour and had like a fairly stressful year. I'm sure. Um, and so I started to feel like some sim- some symptoms again. And I just kind of attributed a lot of it to stress and mm-hmm. travel and just, you know, having a pretty... Which definitely plays into it. Oh, of course. And then kind of once my schedule died down and like the symptoms persisted, just like bloating and like burping was mm-hmm. one. Lovely. Um, oh my God, I used to be the biggest burper. Right? Like out, no, outrageous. Yeah. Like to the point where on the lacrosse field I would do it and people like on the other side of the field would look over and I didn't even connect it with any of my gut health issues. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah, no, that was a symptom I absolutely didn't connect. Yeah. I just now know that I was doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to another holistic doctor who like finally texted me for SIBO, came back positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. But um, then, you know, it was like I had heard of SIBO and I had definitely heard of low FODMAP diet, mm-hmm. but I certainly didn't quite ever, I think, understand what it was until I started doing yeah. my research. And like what it is, is it's not good versus bad bacteria. It is mm-hmm. a type of quote unquote dysbiosis, which just means an imbalance Mm -hmm. but it's that your bacteria is in the wrong place and I think like when we talk about gut health like we say gut we don't say large intestines colon Mm -hmm. I mean I don't even know at the time I wrote this entire book on health and I'm like I don't even know that I knew the large intestines and the colon were the same thing nope (laughs) yeah so as it turns out most of these trillions upon trillions Mm -hmm. of gut bacteria belong in the colon not like the entire GI tract like the majority of them are in the colon there's some in other places but not a whole lot Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is because in your small intestines you have a much more um what's the word I'm looking for um your your barrier your intestinal lining is a lot less porous because it's where you're absorbing nutrients so things Mm -hmm. have to be let in and out and there are these things called the tight junctions which when we talk about intestinal quote-unquote permeability leaky gut those Mm -hmm. are what get compromised but essentially like if there's bacteria there then they're competing for your food source in that part of your digestive tract um, because it's where you're actually dealing with your digestible nutrients. So not only will it, you know, cause malnutrition for some people, but also when bacteria is eating your food, Mm -hmm. they produce gas. And so you're going to feel like a very different kind of bloating than like what someone might feel just, you know, from like eating a few too many black beans. It's so different and it's so obvious. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. it's like, like physical distension type bloating. Like my mind used to dig into my ribs when when I had SIBO at work. Like I, I didn't know what SIBO was. I had no freaking idea. Most people don't. Yeah. And... (laughs) When it was so bad, I used to say, like, in the afternoons, my like my rib cage was digging into my stomach. Oh. It hurt so bad. 
Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the it definitely <laughs> what most people would say. And then the burping is imaginable too, because you know the gas up. isn't that yeah. close to your your butt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's got to go it's one like, way. Or the yeah, other. exactly. And it's just as close to your yeah. your mouth. So no, that's well. The reason I actually went to a doctor eventually was because my gas was building up so high it was causing a lot of acid reflux and then it was affecting my breathing and so at night I wasn't able to breathe like I would take it if anytime I laughed or took a deep breath in I would have massive coughing fit and I thought it was weird but like I had asthma as a kid so I just kind of was like eh whatever and this was before I really cared about I just thought I was a healthy person I didn't (laughs) understand what was going on and I then was at a wedding I'll never forget and I went to go yell across the room to my friend and I could I physically couldn't yell and I turned to Joe and was like I'm going to a GI like something is wrong and yeah. she tested me I was like oh you have rampant SIBO oh no where have you been but did you just take like one course of meds no and, I okay. did I think I did two the first I actually had twice mm-hmm. um I think I did two courses the first time including like three months of the low FODMAP diet fun yeah <laughs> so for those who don't know do you want to get into like I guess the treatment? For sure. SIBO? So yeah. there are kind of like three different options. Mm-hmm. One is like conventional antibiotics, and there is one type that is you know really just targeted towards the small intestine, so it doesn't have like too much collateral damage for your good gut is that flora. Cifaxin? Yeah, that's what I took. But it's very expensive. Yeah, like obscenely expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's um a whole kind of array of herbs you can use and there mm-hmm. are some kind of compound products that are uh prescribed quote unquote specifically for SIBO by doctors but it's all over the counter you can get it on yeah. Amazon um and then there's a third one that's like really weird it's something called the elemental diet and it's you're drinking like a liquid diet for two weeks but essentially it's just like your nutrients in their most really yeah I've never heard basic of that one. form and so they absorb because there's nothing to digest they absorb so high in your intestinal tract that they don't get to the point where they're going to be met by the bacteria so you're essentially starving the bacteria and the low FODMAP diet in theory is on one level to starve the bacteria as well by taking away their favorite foods but unless you're eating like just animal protein like Mm -hmm. you're going to have some FODMAPs in your diet you're going to have carbohydrates you're going to have things that you know bacteria can eat because you're supposed to feed the bacteria when you're on an antibiotic or is that wrong it's not wrong there are different schools of thought about the whole thing but yeah um so yeah the low FODMAP diet though is really just prescribed for symptoms and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of GIs who know about the low FODMAP diet but don't even test for SIBO like yeah I think the awareness and like conventional gastroenterology Mm -hmm. around the low FODMAP diet is a lot more um, pervasive than SIBO itself because there's Definitely. a lot more studies and stuff on it. I mean, I remember so funny. I was at a wedding a few years ago, and a friend of mine from college was like, you know, the star like pre med guy, mm-hmm. and then like went to medical school, a star medical school guy. And now he's like head of gastroenterology at like a <laughs> hospital, and he like sidled up to me at a cocktail, and we were like chitty chatting, and he like brought up the low FODMAP diet. He's like, so no you way. know, there's a lot of compelling stuff around this low FODMAP diet for IBS <laughs> This is way pre-SIBO for me. It's like around the time of the wellness project. And I remember at the time, because I had had a lot of requests via my site for low FODMAP recipes, and I created a few resources that ended up becoming like some of my most popular posts of all time Mm -hmm. before I'd ever even tried it myself. And so I like had basic understanding of what it was, but I was like, but Dave, like 
all of these gut scientists, like really, you know, like the ones mm-hmm. at Stanford, like doing all the research say that the best food for your gut bacteria is the opposite of the low FODMAP diet. Yeah. So that's, that's what's, what's confusing. So confusing. Yeah. So the low FODMAP diet essentially takes out these highly fermentable foods, but they're also what your your good gut bacteria mm-hmm. like to eat. But it's like kind of this starvation um, yeah. type method. It's not complete starvation though. Like you can't actually treat SIBO just with the diet. Mm-hmm. It um, can just help the symptoms. Exactly. So you're going to feel a, little, a lot less bloated if you're taking out these like bigger triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of compelling data as well that if you stay on it long term like longer than three months then it's but like okay let's be honest who the fuck can do that for more than three months i have people writing me who have been on it for years cameron really and like really on it really on it afraid to eat like out at restaurants so wow it's so unhealthy from even more so an emotional perspective emotionally so in, intense yeah. I did it for three months and I'll obviously put in the show notes like a link there is an app that makes it more yeah. what's the it's like manoush, Monash, Monash, yeah. yeah um and it's like a red green light kind of that tells you like how much because it's not only for instance like garlic and onion are two big ones that you just don't eat at all but then avocado you can only have a certain amount and it tells it's you like, like an eighth of an avocado exactly which is yeah. nothing who's gonna do like yeah. no just i'm rather like avocado. okay no avocado yeah. <laughs> but it tells you what foods it makes it more accessible than for sure feeling very overwhelmed which is how i felt when i started it well, yeah because it's like a complete it's a mind. diet overhaul yeah and it's a mind fuck it's a we mind can curse, fuck. Don't okay worry. good that's what i was going for um <laughs> yeah and then you get afraid of eating things like yeah. i looking back now that i think i'm in a much better place digestively right now but also mentally i look back at the time when i was reintroducing foods and i was at my worst i was so scared to eat certain foods like yeah. petrified petrified of foods and the mind gut connection is so real that if mm-hmm. you go into eating something with anxiety overeating it, like you're probably then going to feel the symptoms even worse. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like people really get so like obsessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like maniacal. What's the word? Like, yeah, no people get obsessed. obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. Over the rules of the low FODMAP diet. Like mm-hmm. I, have a meal plan right now that's like a summer low FODMAP reset and someone wrote me an email like love like the look of the recipes I see there's garlic in one not even looking to see that it's well this is all technicality but it's garlic infused oil that you make in the recipe which you're supposed to be allowed to have yeah which you are allowed to have Mm -hmm. and if she read the recipe you see they take the clove out after you've like seasoned the oil because FODMAPs are not fat soluble so whatever we're getting again it's a very technical diet (laughs) but um it's so funny, like even, so I had this woman, Kate Scarlotta, on my podcast, mm-hmm. the SIBO C- Made Simple podcast. Which <laughs> we will definitely get into after this, because I want to talk about that. Um, and she is like the queen of FODMAPs. And like you look on her site and it's just like hundreds upon hundreds of questions being like, can I have this? Can I not have this? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And when you talk to her, she is just like the most, like so much more easygoing, so encouraging of experimentation. Mm-hmm. And like really adamant that this is not a lifestyle for the long it's term. It's not. It's really not. And, and it, it, yeah, it, makes it gets me lost so in sad. translation. And yeah. same with all the SIBO people. It's like every person I talked to and everything I read once I really dug in was like, 
the diet is not a treatment. Mm-hmm. You cannot get rid of SIBO just with diet. And if you introduce these foods, you will not contribute to a relapse of SIBO. Yeah. Like they are not connected. It is purely symptoms. Mm-hmm. And something that um, Kate Scarlatta said to me that I thought was really interesting is that, you know, if you experience a little bloating or like a tummy ache after eating something, mm-hmm that doesn't constitute a failed test. Like if you're reintroducing, mm-hmm. that's, that's not true. a failure. Like you need an episode. Like you need to have yeah. to like be married to the toilet for a little mm-hmm. while that day in order for it to be like, that's like that a problem. Work. Yeah, because yeah, you know, our bodies, when we don't eat things for a certain amount of time, like don't make the enzymes in order to break them down. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people with SIBO and gut issues, like we're not making enough enzymes to break a lot of things down. So like yeah. there's a lot that we can do in order to change our quote unquote food sensitivities over time without them being yeah like a end all be all yeah a hard line yeah and so I did low FODMAP for three months I think it was before my Zephaxin treatment I forget the timeline or maybe it was like right after I don't remember but it was five years ago now so it was definitely no one was like I mean, I'm sure that's when I posted my yeah. first like roundup of low FODMAP recipes and how to cook low FODMAP. Mm-hmm. And like it just, yeah, still yeah. is one of my top five. I'm sure. Like <laughs> when I Googled it, there were a few things. But like when I told people for me, when I reintroduced foods, I mean, it's interesting now because I am gluten intolerant, but I was so confused. Basically, I thought I was garlic and onion intolerant, which I definitely noticed a difference and I still mm-hmm. don't eat raw onions. A, because I fucking hate them. Yeah. And I never liked raw onions. Me like neither. It really, really weirds me out that people put them on their sandwiches and salads. And I Joe and I get in big agree. fights about it. Because he thinks that when I have an opinion about something, I act like it should be everyone's opinion. Mm-hmm. And he, he likes to show me that I'm very much not in the majority considering every house salad and burger and everything comes with raw onion. But I uh, either way. a lot of people pick those out, though. Agreed. I mean, it's just disgusting. The smell, everything. So whatever. I never ate raw onion anyway. And I then noticed, like I did notice a big difference when I would eat garlic and onion, like massive. I was semi-debilitated in the beginning. I actually ended up giving it up for three full years. And then when I would say, I mean, like. But what about restaurants? You still ate at restaurants? No. Oh, well, I would, I, of course I ate at restaurants, but I would call every restaurant before, (gasps) go through the menu and be like, what can I have that doesn't have garlic and onion? So I like. Like I took it to an extreme and looking back, wow. like I ended up losing weight, not purposely, but just because yeah. I was only limited to such certain things. But it caused so much anxiety for yeah. me that I didn't notice at the time. Now when I look back, like there was so much wasted brain space in my head of like, well, what am I eating for this meal? What am I going to do for that meal? What am I going to do at this restaurant? And like client dinners were a nightmare for Mm. me because I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. But the point being was when I said like, oh, I'm intolerant to garlic and onion, people were like, shut the fuck up. What are you even talking about? And now it's much (laughs) more common. I mean, Prego just came out with a low-fat tomato sauce. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So I, I appreciate all that. Um, but I also feel like I could have reintroduced it a lot earlier. Yeah. And I was always open about it on my page. And up until really this year, I've been eating. Like now I'm at restaurants. I don't say anything about it. I eat stuff with garlic. And I still wouldn't cook with onions. And I wouldn't eat raw onions just because. I don't cook with garlic and onion anymore at home. Yeah. It's actually kind of crazy. And I have to say, guys, we don't notice a difference. Like, we yeah. eat really well. I don't and notice a difference Charlie, either. like, yeah. 
And it's also, by the way, like the garlic stuff and the onion to some extent. It is the way like Italians cook. Italians do add a lot of onion, mm-hmm. but they're not throwing in the amount of of garlic that we do in like Italian-American cooking and like mm-hmm. this country. Like I went to Italy. Italy was one of my first trips like post SIBO. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, great we'll like see how this yeah, goes because exactly. i didn't really like officially reintroduce garlic and onion it was fine like yeah. it's a little bloated here and there but like it wasn't a exactly and sometimes like i notice i love middle eastern food especially mm. right now i'm on like a big kick mm. and so that like i'll eat everything and then the next day i notice it a little bit but it's not like how it used to be but it is so interesting when you exit a phase of your life to reflect upon and notice like wow i was a little crazy about that yeah so if you are trying the low FODMAP diet, I will say like, take it with a grain of salt. It really helps. It can be incredibly helpful for your symptoms. It will not heal your SIBO, but don't like kill yourself over it, which I yeah. think a lot of people just become very obsessive over it all. Yeah. And it's okay to feel symptoms. I mean, I kind of found myself in this obsessive place with my Hashimoto's as well, because mm-hmm. I'd be looking at my blood work numbers and like, yeah. you can just become obsessed about anything in mm-hmm. the health space. And I would say like my whole process of the wellness project was figuring out like that happy medium. Like I say what I call healthy hedonism. Yes, I love that. I mean, I kind of like later on, it was like, oh, it's really about finding your hard lines and where the wiggle room Mm -hmm. is. And you have to be open to living within the wiggle wiggle room. room. I totally agree. And like you have to be willing to like be a little bloated after a client dinner like yeah. it's fine it's, it's okay just bloating. No one's gonna, like nothing bad is gonna happen yeah like you'll maybe feel and by the way it is a fine line because there are a lot of people who are like i don't mind feeling like shit i'm not gonna give up gluten yeah. dairy and enter whatever your vice is so again it's there's a middle mm-hmm. ground there but for you know symptoms like bloating and stuff like that and like maybe like a couple bad bms like mm-hmm. there is like a cost benefit there you're so proper that you that's said emotional. bm I, I love you for that i would have just i talk about poop. poop all the time yeah. so <laughs> um but i also think that like this goes to obviously the obsessiveness goes with a lot of this industry however talking about bloat specifically like a lot of people, because I've so openly said that I struggled with bloat and constipation and all that, I get a lot of DMs focused on that. And like, I'm freaking out. I'm so bloated. I don't know what to do. Like the best thing I've done around that, which is really a reset thing within the past year or two is accept like, okay, I'm fucking bloated. Who cares? Like, this is not me. I'm not, I didn't overnight gain 10 pounds, which not saying that that's what matters, but the discomfort, yes, it sucks. And yes, I will do things to try and help it. I'll have like a warm ginger tea or fennel tea. And like I might lay on top of like a rolled up towel for five minutes. But that it, it can't control our lives. And then when you let it, because when you let it control you, then the anxiety builds. And then I notice it gets way worse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much compelling evidence is with SIBO with mm-hmm. pretty much every single condition the that connection. stress makes it way yeah. worse so that's our talk on the low FODMAP <laughs> so let's talk about your podcast yeah. doing exactly what I love is making these intimidating topics approachable 
Yeah. So basically, so SIBO is like my wellness project 2.0. So mm-hmm. as soon as I got diagnosed, not as soon, actually, important clarification, after I got diagnosed and had time to properly yeah. marinate on <laughs> it and decide on a course of action, I you know wrote something about it and what I was doing, which mm-hmm. was just the doctor's orders pretty much. Um, and then I wrote just like a few as I researched myself, like very comprehensive, very, yeah. very <laughs> comprehensive and extensive and amazing pieces oh, thanks. that I read once I got diagnosed again, a few, like two years ago. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of good, inf- like there was good information out there, but it just needed to be no. organized in a yeah. certain way. Well, cause I got diagnosed for the second time two months before a wedding maybe and I was really overwhelmed and that's Mm. when I then went back and read those pieces and was like bless Phoebe well I still need to do an episode on the podcast on traumatic brain injury and SIBO because it is a whole thing I know you sent me a a podcast about that like I remember right after my accident you were like when you're feeling up for it um yeah that's actually very interesting it's so interesting there's like a lot of episodes i want to do around the brain mm-hmm. gut connection but like specifically that like one. brain trauma um but yeah so i wrote these posts and it was crazy like the mm-hmm. response was nuts and you know i'd say like the things of mine that have done really well from like an seo perspective yeah. online like the low fodmap posts it's a lot of people searching it mm-hmm. they're the things that you know were a little bit you know ahead of the curve and yeah from a lot of them a long time ago and the SIBO post was that I was like oh my gosh like people need this information like it is already like killing the search terms because it is the most comprehensive and people are spending 20 minutes on the page reading it and it was just like for me like a good um indicator that yeah that was maybe somewhere even though I never thought I would get this deep niche but yeah to spend a little bit more time there and create some resources but I don't think you've dug yourself into a niche like that you you do so much other stuff it's just really nice that you focus on this yeah and I would say honestly a lot of people in this industry wish they had a niche a niche or focus where it's like this is like you're specialized yeah so people know like everyone that dms me about SIBO like yes I had it and I can tell you what I did but like I don't fucking know the ins and outs of it like go to Phoebe's page well I don't really know either which is why I started a podcast I was like okay like let's take um kind of basically the three posts that I wrote originally was Mm -hmm. like one like how do you know if you have it like symptoms testing number two is like treatment like mm-hmm. natural or otherwise and like the third part was like the diet piece yeah and we'll link so, all of these in the show yeah notes. and um so I just knew I was like I was like I'm gonna create a one season podcast that just takes you like as soon as you get diagnosed like if you listen to these 10 episodes like you're gonna be able to wrap your head around mm-hmm. like your root causes what to do and just like create a game plan for yourself. so helpful yeah but then of course I did 10 episodes and was like but there were like all these there's so like, much more yeah so many prongs to it so many root causes and like there's a whole Hashimoto SIBO connection oh, that really? I unearthed yeah I mean it all comes down to motility which is mm-hmm. just you know how food moves through your intestines and there's like this muscular process called yeah that, the micromotor yeah the migrating mm-hmm. motor complex um that's run by like these nerve cells but um when that gets compromised like SIBO is the result and there are yeah. just like hundreds of ways that that could get compromised mm-hmm. whether it's traumatic brain injury or having not having enough thyroid hormone you know what else I'm gonna give you another podcast episode what? 
mercury poisoning. Yeah, I know. You told me about that one. And I've been, that's on my season three. Creates a home for it. Yeah, I'm going to do a whole episode on um, environmental toxins mm-hmm. and SIBO because mold exposure also. Yeah, I just found out today. Actually, I have that. Mold exposure? Yeah. Oh, God. It's I'm, like, give me everything I at know. this point. But that's, I mean, yeah. once you <laughs> go it's off okay. the rails a little bit, no, it's not no, like it's you attract it, but it's like your body is just going to have a harder time Evidently, I don't detox well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a bad methylator. Yeah. Me too. It's <laughs> shitty. But the one, because the heavy metals was what they think my mercury poisoning, like may have caused not only SIBO number one, but SIBO number two, because mm-hmm. it creates a home. Same with shingles, which I also had. Like I it had cre- that too. Yeah. Where was yours? Um, It was on my upper thigh. Oh, I got it in college and I was like, is this an STD? Oh my God. <laughs> I got mine on the back of my neck and I thought they were bug bites. And I was at work with them for, I look at the photos now and I cannot believe that my coworkers would take pictures of them for me because I couldn't see them. And I was obsessive and of they were, whether they were growing gross. and they were disgusting, like <laughs> outrageously disgusting. And I was at work the entire time. Went to the doctor, came back. I was like, I have shingles. And my boss was like, okay, cool. I was like, I think I should go home. He's like, nah. Well, and I mean, it's like a so, virus, so it depends. But you can give people chicken pox yes, if, if they don't have true. chicken pox or they didn't have the vaccine. And I'm, I will never forget the intern was sitting next to me. And I was like, well, you've all had chicken pox, right? Because like everyone, I was the youngest person on my team. So totally. Like everyone, who hasn't ex- had chicken Thank you. Pox. And everyone's like, yeah, of course we have. Of course we have. And then oh the intern God. goes, no, and like shoots his seat away from me. And I was like, okay, well, welcome to J.P. Morgan. You're probably going to get chicken pox. He didn't, but it was very comical. Thank God. Um, so that's another podcast idea episode. Yeah. And then I have a, this might, I, I, I know no boundaries, but oh, yeah. I'm asking because you mentioned two things that have gotten me to think it. When you said the imposter syndrome regarding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a book, but then also I would say when I said like, oh, I just send them to you because you're the expert and you say there's still so much to learn. Do you, which obviously there's always more to learn in my eyes, you're an expert. But do you feel that imposter syndrome around such a specific topic that's medical focused? Um, I mean, it's not imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. because I don't have any sort of medical training. Well, because you're not saying (laughs) I'm a doctor. Because I'm not a doctor. Um, And I'm not like a practitioner in the space. And I don't want to be. It's something that I could easily like. That's what I was also going to ask you. I know. It's like I get requests for health coaching all the time or just Mm -hmm. like guidance, especially with SIBO. And for whatever reason, I just don't think it's my, I don't know, it's not my superpower. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm better served creating these more like creative resources yeah. and um, but it's also good to know your landline yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah I refer them out to other people um and you know everyone's searching for doctors too who like mm-hmm. really understand and just can help them put together a game plan but yeah no I don't have imposter syndrome per se there's just so it's so complicated and there's so, so much to know and there's so much that's still unknown mm-hmm. that's like in like we're gonna discover so much more over the next you know decade about this and how it works um and yeah that's I guess my my only worry right now with writing a book that's like gonna have a lot of that's true hard information in it is that like what's gonna change but that also can apply to any book that's written oh yeah I was worried about that about the wellness project yeah Like things are always evolving. Think about how fast everything changes. It's like in five years or or in a year, we're going to be told that no one should be drinking celery juice. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, say that now. Yeah, you'll say it now. (laughs) Um, 
So, but I, I ask that question mainly because when people ask me very specific, what I struggle with in this industry, I guess, is what I should start off with. People who, and it's it's such a hard thing to navigate this sentence, but I do think a lot of people in our space act as if they have a degree that they do not. Yes, correct. And they tell you what to do and they mm-hmm. tell you if you do this, like it'll fix all these things without actual backing. Yeah. And so I think as consumers, myself included, when I'm on my personal Instagram account, we then put so much weight in the words of those said by anyone with like a K after they're following. Yeah. And so we expect them to have all the answers and then we ask them all these questions And so what I get overwhelmed by is by the constant amount of questions I get around medical stuff that I have Mm -hmm. no fucking idea. Yeah. Like I can tell you what I went through, but I can't tell you what to do. I don't know anyone. Like I don't, I don't know the person behind the phone. I don't know their day to day life. Even if I did, I'm not a doctor. Exactly. And so that's the reason I ask because I feel that some, that sometimes when people DM me, like I just found out I have high levels of mercury, like what should I do or what pill, like yeah. I immediately say find a doctor. And also, like, yeah. I, I'm kind of selfishly curious. I'm like, what? what is your definition of high levels? I just want to compare. <laughs> How bad were my levels actually? Yeah. I know. I mean, I have, like, doctor friends who have huge Instagram followings. And yeah. it's easier for them to be like, I don't practice DM medicine. Like, I don't want to lose my medical license. But people I are still that. snarky about that. And for me, I mean, I need to... Cr- find a gracious like mm-hmm. automatic response for those things yeah. it's less the dms and more the emails i get which is like they're I'm also sure you get so extensive. demanding sometimes yeah. like women just being like tell me like did you have like this like was it hydrogen was it like what happened with you because they just want to like, copy should, what exactly yeah. i'm like what and i try to i'm like what like what my situation is like actually doesn't matter mm-hmm. like you could have a completely different and also you don't have to share every fucking detail of your life yeah but then they get so testy, so testy. and like it's just i know i need to find some gracious auto yeah. i'm actually i'm from my website i'm gonna turn on an autoresponder that literally just says if you write me about your your medical yeah. stuff i'm not gonna respond you should because yeah yeah but like some people do like within it I mean it's nice people want to tell me their stories but it's also Mm -hmm. quite depressing a lot of the time and sometimes though there's a real question in there that I can answer like but a lot of times it's just yeah I agree like if it's finding a doctor in NYC here there's a blog post for that yeah like my Rolodex like I still haven't found a good one (laughs) (laughs) no I talk to my therapist about that sometimes is that it's difficult that you feel you're taking on a lot of other people's problems yeah without ever like as much as I want to help everyone possible it's not necessarily my job um, right and I don't have the means to do it either and so it, it is difficult because once you open yourself up on this platform to say I'm struggling with this I agree it's a lot of emails or dms or whatever of like let me tell you what I'm struggling with yeah. also but long stories with without really any way for me to help yeah there's not an ass no and people have to do the work like yeah. I guess that's why I'm more attracted to like group coaching programs mm-hmm. like I have a program called four oh, yeah, weeks to wellness which mm-hmm. is like my I don't know flagship program yeah, but it's so great. funny I didn't start doing quote-unquote programs so like after the wellness project and I created this kind of like four-week microcosm of mm-hmm. all the things that I found the most helpful and like how to do it in baby steps and then more recently after I started getting into the SIBO stuff, created a low FODMAP. I was going to ask if you did that. Yeah, a low FODMAP plan for that. But, you know, I just try and funnel people into that because honestly, like, 
I'm happy to answer any of their questions like mm-hmm. as part of the group coaching in the Facebook group. But once they start doing the work like and start feeling better, like the questions like answer they themselves. They figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And I cannot believe I'm asking this late in the episode. <laughs> but what is your favorite characteristic about yourself? <laughs> um, uh, I'd say I think I'm very savvy. I agree. Like, I think I have a good mix of street smarts and intellect. Mm -hmm. Well, that's (laughs) honestly what I was complimenting you in the beginning. I'm always amazed by all this content. Like, you are always everywhere, I feel like. And every time I get a newsletter by you, I'm like, Jesus Christ, how did you put this whole thing together? Uh, Like, I'm so impressed. I have an assistant. Okay, cool. Still. I just write the intro every other week. Either way, I'm really impressed. (laughs) Thank you. So know that every time you hit send... No, it's really nice to hear because it's very easy to feel like you're never doing enough. I agree. Especially since like I feel like I started in the blogging era Mm -hmm. before a lot of these social sites like even existed. Yeah. And that was like, you know, writing two posts a week. And like now I'm like writing two posts a week in addition to like so much. Well, it's just (laughs) no, it is crazy. Like the amount of content that people demand in a way, like especially the amount of free content that people demand. Like I said, I I don't know who I was talking to, but I was laying out like ideally what my week would be. And I would post every day, have stories all day. And then I would release one podcast a week, two recipes and a blog post. And they were like, that's fucking crazy. That's a lot. First of all, I don't do that. But I was saying dream world. And then they said it was crazy. I'm like, that is insane because I'm not getting paid for a lot of those things. Yeah. And I don't have the time. Like it's, it's so much time to create good content. Like so much. I don't want to be putting out shitty stuff just to put it out and stay relevant. Yeah. No. Quantity over quality. Wait, no quality. Quality over over quantity. I was like, yeah, sure. No quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. (laughs) Yeah. Except I do feel like in today's day and age, a lot of time it's quantity over quality, unfortunately. I know, but I feel like I'm hoping there's a backlash like that. I agree. Yeah. I'm ready for the backlash. I'm a little burnt out right now. Yeah. There was a very interesting article that someone sent me and I actually didn't get a chance to read, but it was like why millennials are, Mm -hmm. did you read it? Oh yeah. Like the burnt. It's really good. Is it? Okay, good. Yeah. Whatever the generation of burnt out. Yep. Something. It was from like a few months ago. Yeah. It's great. I'm gonna, oh, well, and it's like I'm that horrible. late to it. Yeah. Okay, well, I will read it now that it's like five months old. And I'll also post in the show notes because why not? Why not? Yeah, I love show notes. Until then I re-listen to this episode and edit it. I'm like, fuck, I have to get that link, this link, that link. Well, oh. you do. A f- oh, I can't even imagine. No, whole- I don't. I, weirdly, sometimes there's just not that much. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> we don't have any pop culture references. Yeah, but you've got like a ton of m- medical stuff. Yeah, I know. I don't really link to study. I don't think my audience really wants to read the studies. Probably true. I don't know. They just want me to digest it for them. Yeah, I love you, but I wouldn't want to read a study. That's yeah. why I would go to you. I don't want to read the yeah. study. That's <laughs> exactly. why I talk to experts no one wants who to have read, read the studies. studies. That's why I don't consider myself a pure expert. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm a patient expert. That's what I, I love that. honed with the wellness project and why I feel less imposter syndrome okay. now. Because I'm like, it's a real thing. It and is. And people want that. Like the wellness project, my editor, oh gosh. I mean, my editor was amazing. But like just like the publishing house mm-hmm. in general, I like, couldn't believe I was writing a health book where I didn't tell anyone one thing to do. Yeah. And I felt so strongly about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like give some tips and suggestions, but really just like give it through my my experiences. But now I'm like, you know what? It worked, and it did now work. I'm like I have a niche, so maybe that'll sell the book a little bit. <laughs> It'll do amazing. And when is that expected? Is you have no idea. Twenty twenty one. Okay. Yeah. 
Perfect. February, January 2021. I'm very, I just learned that February is like a big release date for books. Is it? Oh, yeah. shoot. I know. Maybe uh, March 2021. No, but that'll be good. I don't want to be in oh, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. And then my closing question, if you could choose up to three different things that would be the way to your heart through food, what would they be? French fries. Where are your favorite French fries from? I had to cut you off before you kept going. You know, all of the Keith McNally restaurants make excellent French fries, okay. and most of them are gluten-free. All of them, actually. Interesting. Well, I won't say all of them because I can't fact-check that, but a lot of them. Yeah. I wish I had a fact-check. The new pastis just opened, and their fries are delicious. Oh, you've already been? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. You're fast. I'm fast. Okay. Yeah. So um, French fries. Yeah, I'm trying to think where else is good fries. Um, I like Bear Burger fries because they're gluten-free. Beggars I can't really be choosers like their sweet potato now. Fries. Yeah, they're delicious. Oh my god, they're so um, good. I will also say the um, by Chloe sweet potato fries are quite good. Interesting, I haven't had those. Um, actually, no, sorry, their regular fries are better. They're actually quite crispy and they're Ooh. air fried. Oh, um, wow. they okay. don't travel that well, but yeah, but I feel like most fries yeah, don't really. Exactly. Are you a shoestring fry or like a steak cut? Or I'm, just like a I'm McDonald's a freak. Okay. Yeah, like McDonald's style. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I agree. But I do love spotted pig shoestring fries. Mm. Yeah. I don't think oh those are gluten free. I don't know if they are. Yeah. I'd um, be shocked if they were breaded. Can I choose yeah, fries as like all three of my things? <laughs> so you good. can, but do you have others? Um, <laughs> well, mayonnaise with my Ooh. fries. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I really hope I my friend Danielle mayonnaise. listens to this because she fucking loves oh really mayonnaise most like, people hate it no, like no, no. few people love it as she, much as no, i do no i've never met someone that loves it as much as her so i might have to connect the two of you she's a fucking mayo like addict flavor like this sir kensington special sauce is so good we go through like a bottle yeah a no, she month, gets mayo everywhere more. we go yeah um i don't know if we can count as like a full food group but um, we can yeah, pasta and pizza always been a key. Mm-hmm. Now gluten-free pizza is like caught up. Pasta like got there a little while ago. Yeah, but where are your favorite of those two? Um, I actually have a whole post you can link to on pizza. Oh, I knew that. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, Rosso Pomodoro New Year's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had that. And yeah, Fornino in Brooklyn is delicious. Okay, never had that. Um, My favorite is Keste. Yeah, I haven't had Keste in I forever. I, I need about, to revisit yeah. it. I, I had really it like right it. at the beginning of like... They were like the only ones in town oh, when doing gluten-free. And I also had just become gluten-free. So now it was probably the same quality as it was back then, but I have way lower standards. No, but honestly, <laughs> no, I swear to God, I will order it for a group and they will not know. Really? Oh, okay. I think it mu- they must have changed the recipe. Yeah. I think really like people's good. like understanding, like all the doughs right now are pretty similar. They're like, they've really nailed the like pillowy dough. Yeah. And that was not the case. Because there's nothing worse than getting years ago. Like when you're excited that a menu has a gluten-free pizza Ugh. and then they bring it out and it's a piece of cardboard with yeah. sauce on it. And I'm like, this is, this doesn't even resonate pizza it I just know. makes me angry because i mean only... controversial but ruby rosa gluten-free pizza is like that oh, they have, really? their other I've gluten-free stuff it. is excellent though they're gluten-free fried pizza. calamari and like oh, it's really God. good it tastes just like normal calamari. i just thought of you because of the gluten-free calamari <laughs> on my honeymoon that they had and you dm'd <gasps> right. me and you I were like, like yes this is amazing and so i had it every day oh my god i would have too but the yeah, I hate a, a bad gluten-free pizza. It's not only not pizza, but it's just shitty food. Yeah. 
I would actually, number three, like a good fried seafood of any kind mm. is so delicious. It's like all the things I can't really yeah. <laughs> eat anymore. That's all the keys to my yeah, heart. That's probably why. You- oh, I actually, I'll sub that in. My husband's pancakes. Oh my God. That's yeah. so nice of you. I know. He won't listen to this, but oh, okay. I'll know I said it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. I haven't had pancakes in a while. I got to make this. Yeah. Gluten-free pancakes. They're, Do you use they're a legit. mix? Yeah. Which Bob's Red Mill. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Hashtag not sponsored. Yeah, exactly. Just love it. Just love it. Um, well, thank you so much for being on. This was so much fun. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. For buttering me up all episodes. I know. I love gassing people. That's why I have this podcast. Um, everything that we mentioned will be in the show notes, but definitely if you are someone that is struggling with SIBO or you're just interested, check out the SIBO Made Simple podcast and also Phoebe's site. So thank you, Phoebe. Thanks. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.